0: Their fundamentals and their advanced techniques have just, bl- in this project, blended into the perfect mix. It didn't blow me away necessarily the same intensity as some of his other work, but it blew me in a way where I'm like, that is good. When you don't acutely notice what's so great about it, that's when you know it's a good video. Roger Deakin said it best, cinematographer. I said this on the show a million times. The best cinematography in the world is the cinematography you don't notice
1: what's new in your world we haven't we haven't talked since this morning so.
0: <laughs> I haven't heard uh, anything since this morning Uh you know it's been good just really so much work man it's been just a little overwhelming adjusting and we just got out of our stay at home lockdown here in Toronto and then around the rumor mill and it's pretty public knowledge now we're probably gonna go back into the stay-at-home order after about just two weeks out of it We go back into it next Monday so that's not so great it's really horrible not fun like horrible because I need to be out I'm a kinetic guy I need to be like touching and moving and and doing things so I don't know what that does for the shooting I guess sports can't like get together and stuff which will kind of hurt some of the work I'm doing with uh, gladiator we have so many plans but like It's just they keep getting axed and it makes me think, and this is a sick transition. Today we wanted to talk about uh, the Grammys, and what Gibson Hazard, Jack Bannon, all these guys did. Um, It makes you think it's almost like the best work to do is kind of in music, not live, but like in, in those creative fields where you can get small crews, you can get locations where you can, you know, block off, you can, you can control a lot. And it's not really dictated by the government. So that's my little half-assed failed transition into going into the Grammy stuff, which we wanted to break down today.
1: I feel like any time that Gibson Herzog drops a new project, we're just all over it. And rightfully so. I mean, he's him.
0: I mean, is he not like single-handedly kind of pioneered himself as like the first digital creator auteur? Where it's like, you watch a Jack Bannon video, or sorry, a Gibson Hazard video, and you're like, it's Gibson Hazard. Like, how many digital creators, I guess you can't say he's digital anymore, but like, how many creators are out there that spawned from the internet that are like, legit auteurs?
1: I don't know, man. I I think he's kind of in a class of his own. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it's crazy to see how much he's done with how old he is. Like, he can't be more than 22, 23, I want to say. He must be. Well, he's I know Jack young.
0: Bannon, his friend, is 21. Like, these guys that's are crazy. young.
1: Still such a puppy and already working with NBA players and major artists. I mean, it's just crazy to see that progression.
0: Like, the Grammys? what a That's such a huge deal. Like, I mean... How many how many creative agencies have really worked on the Grammys? I would assume I don't know if they change it up every year, but he's a solo guy. I don't know if he has a, a company, but like just to like beat out all those other companies that have been in the game forever and be this fresh new look and like kill it the way he did, it's incredible. And like before, I want to jump into talking about the content itself. Like this is a bit more in the clouds conversation. Like I was actually talking about this with Ryan Ward. We had him on the pod a few weeks ago. Or a month ago or something. And we're just talking about like, how much is him getting really good fast? Not just about hard work and like just like always trying to be the best at what you do Mm -hmm. versus like having a community of guys like Jack Bannon, uh, grow up Ben Brendan or Brendan is another guy that he works with. Like all these guys are so like-minded. They always hang out together. I don't know if they live together, but I know they spend a lot of time together. And it makes me think, through osmosis and through hanging out with these people in real Big life, word. you just gain so much knowledge and you learn yeah. so quick. And I'm going on a tangent here, but it's not just like, oh, let me, yo, Will, you're you're hanging out with us now. Why don't you come and check out what I'm working on? It's like, it's more like just through how they talk, how they think about the projects, what they're wearing, you know, mm-hmm. what they're watching. Like you're always, you just, it's just their lifestyle, these Incredible people, it like bleeds into yours the more you hang out with them. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine just it it also it begs the question is there how much luck goes into being really skilled and really good in whatever craft you're in? Like if you're an athlete, how much is it luck that you got into that training program with that coach with these other players who push you further? I know I'm going on. It's a big part of
1: it. It's a huge part of it. Like
0: he got lucky and met those people to work with and worked hard as fuck.
1: Part of it as well is that like there's there's like a reason why people move out to LA. Like LA's greatest export is like this culture within it. And I feel like I've heard uh, – like I can't speak to it. I've never been to LA. But I hear big influencers talk about how it doesn't matter if you're working at Starbucks as a barista or whether you have 3 million followers on YouTube. Like everyone's got something out there. And I feel like that just bleeds through. And then locally, I think – we're starting to see that in the very early stages with Toronto. I mean, like a guy like Sam Colder came out of Toronto. Like Drake really put the city on a map with what he's done in music and and culture and basketball. Um, but Toronto's kind of catching up in that way. And it's, it's so interesting to see as somebody who just associated Toronto with um, a place that I just kind of loved going to and visiting. Like I grew up in a small town. So it was just kind of like... The biggest attraction that we could go to Um, but now it's become so much more than that and it's been so cool to see as somebody who lived in Toronto for four years but also still like in some ways still consider themselves an outsider of the city and just like somebody who like just came here and met all these cool creative people and I think what you're really speaking to is that your environment matters so much no matter what you're doing like athletes become elite athletes because they hang around people that are better than them they hang around coaches and mentors and people that can guide them along that way. And I think one of the struggles with creative people is that you kind of isolate yourself. It's so easy to isolate yourself and just do the work and not kind of go out and explore and find like-minded people. But that's such a big part of it. Like you need you need systems around, you need people, you need mentors, you need information, you need community um, just to feel alive. And that's something that I would like to hear you talk about with like in the first year and a half, we can call it of school, like you were not, you were not kind of well. I, I can't really speak to what you weren't or were not doing.
0: It wasn't really around, you, like, you yeah, know?
1: that's that's the nice way of saying it. So, what changed when you started making an effort and you got more involved, uh, in those in the like kind of second stage of school? Like, did you what happened there and like kind of what motivated that?
0: Well, like, initially, I was just kind of on my own. I worked with Max a couple times, just with like not a couple times, like I'd kind of work with him, but he was never like. In my space. He's not like a
1: technical, super creative guy. He's a great guy to hang out with, but not for that reason.
0: And he's a good writer and and he's good at storytelling. Like uh, that's what he's good at. Um, At the beginning, I was just kind of isolated and like I'm an only child. Like I kind of like being on my own and kind of being in control in that in that regard. But it just slows down your progress. Like you're not going to get that good that quick. And I remember Mm -hmm. when we first started hanging out, it wasn't so much that I was learning a lot from you that came. But the main thing I remember is like working beside each other. And like, I just wouldn't stop. I would, I would take Mm -hmm. less breaks. I was going longer. I was feeling more motivated because I could see you putting in the work beside me. Mm -hmm. And there was that pressure, like, Oh, I'm not going to go for lunch. I'm not going to go take that break or do that. thing. It's like he's still going and I would just go longer. So for me meeting you at first start or meeting another creative person, it, it first started, pushing me past my limits of uh output and -hmm. then it started transitioning as we became closer we would just talk about things Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like a specific project oh uh, how do you help me with this thing it's like just the language you used like the thing the philosophies we talked about the rhetoric just kind of built up it just built this it changed the way i look at things and it Mm -hmm. helped me get better faster at being creative and understanding like the business side as well so it, it it leads me to the second point I wanted to make about being around the right people. It's like, it's so easy to say, put yourself around like-minded people, put yourself around mentors and whatnot. But the only way that that works, I believe, is if like you can actually hang out on a human level. Like you don't make a phone call and it's like, hey, let's talk about work or let's hang out. And we're only talking about work. It's like... Mm-hmm. You got to be going to like lunch, like breakfast or lunch together or dinner, or maybe you Mm -hmm. go to like a party together, or maybe you go to the gym together. There's like things you do in life that you both can relate on and just hang there. And through that, you build this relationship where you're more open to sharing. Um, You actually probably are going to talk about work in those situations that aren't work centric and just things just, just like bleed out onto you creatively. Like, mm-hmm. I bet you these Jack Bannon, Brandon and and Gibson Hazard, they don't just work together. Like, they're also just like traveling and hanging together. And you learn from that. Mm-hmm. You learn like a philosophy and way to life that is conducive with being successful and creative just through hanging. That's, yeah. what, that's what fascinates me the most. So you got to be a good guy. That's the thing. Be a fucking <laughs> cool guy to hang out with.
1: If you take away one thing from this podcast, it's be a good guy. Um, I So I started my career working on a pretty big team. It was probably like 10 people when I joined. And it got much bigger than that um, when I left. And one of the things that I didn't, I kind of took for granted or didn't really realize when I went freelance is that if you don't have those relationships, um, it's easy to get trapped in kind of this isolated space or put yourself on an island. Is that something that you noticed as a freelancer or like how do you go about building those relationships and like how do freelancers get off the island of being just by themselves?
0: I think it's 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 really tough. I mean we became closer because I was New Year Creative and I think we just decided to go to the gym together at school. So it was an easy like in there. Yeah. We hung out at the gym. We talked about whatever hockey hang like just things around school and then from there you kind of build that trust and then you build the relationship and start talking about creativity and whatnot
1: I guess it's different for every kind of circumstance I guess you just kind of back into it from like what you're doing in your life and like how you're spending your time what groups you're a part of and you try to navigate it from there it makes me think that there's this huge gap like we talk about networking and apps like tinder and bumble have become so big and relationships are always going to be a huge category but I almost think there's this huge white space for developing professional relationships because it's not it's not LinkedIn. It's clear after a decade of that product being out there, it's not gonna be LinkedIn that facilitates those relationships. Well it's Instagram now. The amount it's of people, Twitter, yeah. all of that.
0: Cause it's like they se- like if you connect with someone, you send their post they made that's some work you like, and then you send yeah. that to them in DM and go, dude, I love this, man. Like where are you located? Yeah. Oh, Toronto, man, we should go shoot together blah 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 you hang out and hopefully it's good where like you guys can actually be friends not just let's make shit together it's like and it's
1: not always going to be a fit I think that's an important thing to add like you just you meet some people where you're like I love your work and then you're like oh wait like we couldn't be more different as people which is important to uh to mention and then the other thing I had a meta moment I had like a very (laughs) meta moment when you were talking like making a podcast or just getting yourself out there is a great way um it's a free way and it's a really easy way to go and say like, Hey, we host this thing. If you want to come on and chat, like we've met so many great creative people from this thing um, that I would love to like get to know better as this thing ends. And like one of the other roadblocks as I'm saying that is that you like Toronto is also going back into lockdown next week. So like this online to offline thing just doesn't happen when there's restrictions in place, but I'm going to be like, just think about it. I'm so pumped for when like we can do meetups and just say like, Hey, if you were on the pod, like, let's just come through, we're going to go out to wherever and you should come grab a drink or something like that. It's just so easy. Exactly. Or even just after the pod, sometimes we'll talk on zoom with the people and
0: it's like, we talk about the work and whatnot. And then sometimes it veers into like, what's your life? Like, it's like, what's going on? That's so important. I think sometimes we get wrapped up in, you know, just like work, 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 work. Career. Career. Because it's such a North American thing to do. (laughs) Hustle. Anyways, let's let's transition here. So I didn't I had no idea they were working on the like I have some kind of Yeah,
1: it was kept under wraps. It was really good. Like none of no previews, no leaks came out.
0: Nothing. I wonder when they started on it, because like the work was
1: extensive. Like they did a lot of this is a multi, multi month project. Yeah. And but it also makes me think that part of the reason, which, okay, riddle me this is part of the reason why there were no leaks is, is because the Grammys has dropped in viewership 50%, like both, like two years running now. Dude, I it was for- crazy when I saw that. Like, nobody, like, I guess part of it's cord cutting, but nobody is watching the Grammys anymore.
0: No. You're just watching the content around <laughs> the Grammys now. That's more interesting. I couldn't
1: tell you the first thing about who won what at the Grammys no. this year. I just know that the content was sick.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, I had no idea what was happening. I just saw a story from Jack Benny. He's just like, guys, check out the Grammys tonight. Like, my shit's dropping. I'm like, what? Whoa. <laughs> I didn't even know the Grammys were happening until he mentioned it. Yeah. And just to get into the work, what was the first one you saw? And like, what were your initial thoughts? I don't know if you well, saw. Well,
1: any- you, you, you were the one that sent it to me. So I didn't see anything before uh, you sent it to me. But um, I just saw the carousel that he posted. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. I'm going to pull it up because I don't want to speak to it without actually having something in front of me.
0: Well, I think Gibson only posted like a carousel of like snippets, but what's dope is Jack actually posted like the full, the full videos of a lot of them. Yeah. And what they did, man, I just, it's insane the way their 3D work is coming along because it's not, it doesn't feel fake anymore. It doesn't feel like it's so clearly 3D they've somehow integrated whether it's just through modeling better or integrating like film grain layers or just overlays that have like make it feel like it's a part of the footage out of camera whether it's through go- yeah. color grade or, or, or layers and that's what stuck yeah. stuck out to me most
1: i agree i i think that's a great point so if you and look and maybe this isn't the full team but it's gone from, I think what's most interesting, I try to like look at these things longer than just the piece of content that we're discussing. Like if you look back when Gibson hazard just started, started as a, we've talked about this before, but he started as a photographer, um, just doing tour and recap videos for artists. And it was just a team of one. It was just him. Um, so that limits what you can do in terms of the time, the project, what assets you can build. The first time that I think he worked on a bigger team, this might be just me pulling this out of my ass, but, um was that drake recap video when he went on tour with the migos and that's when you saw like you had the scorpion you had this kind of 3d scenes built in uh built in cinema 4d or wherever they built it but now we're seeing this is where it's going this is kind of where we are today uh now we're seeing that it's gibson Hazard, uh a 3d modeler maybe a texturer, maybe a graphic designer who yeah he's saying graphic designer modeled the newspaper and then I see one, two, three, four, five, six. So I'm guessing anywhere between like seven and 10 people working on this project. And we're really seeing like the 3D has come along a long way. The the packaging of mixing video footage with partly 3D with completely 3D, like all of that is just getting tighter and tighter. And I zoom out a little bit and I say like, wow, if a 10 person team can really nail this and get this done, I'm really excited for like, what does two years down the road look like? What does five years down the road look like? Because I think technology is doing its job. I've had this conversation with other people though, and about like, oh, it was really easy to learn Photoshop because there was this huge base of tutorials online. You go on YouTube, you could learn any effect you wanted. I think we're gonna start seeing the same thing with more complicated software packages like Cinema 4D, like Blender. And what's that? what that's gonna do, I'm predicting, is that you're gonna go from a team of ten that it takes to produce something like this to even smaller until one day we get back to that thing where you have this one person, whether it's a Gibson, Hazard, or whoever it comes next, where they can do all the things that that ten-person team did. Uh, and I'm really excited for what the future of that 3D video space is looking like because I'm seeing it more. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm seeing it more and more, like on product drops, like 3D's
0: 100% just fl-
1: it's crazy. everywhere. And I think,
0: like Rude said, COVID. That's what's really set this whole industry ablaze.
1: Yeah. You can't do you can't do production shoots anymore. So like how are you gonna figure out how to tell this captivating story um, when you can't go on set and shoot with 10 models or whatever it is? Like you're gonna have to be creative.
0: But it's also a way to fill in gaps where it's like, oh, okay, so we can't we can shoot this stuff on these days in this place. But yeah, getting these assets, it's gonna be really tough. So you can build scenes, obviously, and embed actual shot footage in those scenes yeah. to like fill in gaps that maybe your budget doesn't fill. You can't schedule it. It's just logistically impossible, whether it's COVID or just yeah. other situations. But to speak yeah. on what you were saying about the the, the team size, I think, I think it, it either has to get bigger or stay this big no matter what. And I think that's purely based not on what they would be capable of creating with the size of the team. Like the size of the team doesn't matter for what they can make, but more how much they can make. Because if you look at this, this Grammy drop, they had to do how many videos? I mean, we're only seeing a couple. I would imagine it's for every single winner, every single nominee.
1: Yeah. So this brings me back to my days at TSN where it's like the final product that somebody saw on our page. If we were doing, I'll use like the NHL or NFL awards just as an example. You have one person that wins most valuable player. You have one player that wins defensive MVP. You also have three other people that we prep for. So we're talking about hours and hours of design work and creative work where you would only see one graphic out of like the 10 graphics that we made. And that only becomes a bigger problem when you're working with um, a scale like this where you have to invest time into making those 3D assets for every artist, um, knowing that some of those won't get used, even though you put a bunch of effort into it. So I think that's a great point.
0: And I think the further you go, as a Gibson is art he's like the creative mind and director around all of this. That's like what the credit is, like director and producer, yeah. right, I believe. Um, it gets to a point where like you can come up with all the ideas, and then that's the vision, and then it comes down to execution. A yeah. lot of times, execution is a lot of grunt work, and it's like, why it's would hard. you waste and it's energy? Messier than
1: people understand. There's so many like half step forward two steps back oh we ran into this problem like it's just so messy it's
0: it there's a lot going on and it's why you have so much energy in a day why wouldn't you delegate smaller tasks to people who can like want to learn and like get mentored by you it's just this trickle down effect right this like hierarchical effect that i think these guys have established where it gets tricky we look at the downsides of doing that is if you don't constantly practice your craft and you're delegating too much when do you lose your skill? When do you lose your credibility? Can you come back and actually prove to people and sh- lead by example if all you do is delegate? I don't think that's happening with Gibson. I'm pretty sure he's doing all a lot of the 3D. But it's definitely a question too, like that arises, you know what I mean?
1: I also want to point out within like the production process, I'm also seeing that certain elements kind of come in throughout all of the videos. So that's one thing to think about. Like if you're on... A project and you're looking to improve quality in some way and how creative something is and you know that you have 10 videos to produce or you're producing 10 animated sequences. What I think they've done really smartly in this case is that that uh, 3D object at the start, it's like an egg and it kind of like unfurls into the horn and then you kind of go into the horn. (laughs) <laughs> and then the video comes out it's much harder to explain if you saw I'd be like oh that's what's happening but that's used in every single one so that's the time where you're going to be investing a ton of effort up front to really nail that sequence because that's like the first touch point or experience and it's really cinematic and it kind of takes you into this world if you think about where you're investing your energy on a project and I, I, we, we talked about this off-camera before. I think really great, like when you talk about executing a project at a high level, I think the really great projects, what separates them from the good and the mediocre is that throughout the project, you're trying to build with really good ingredients. You're kind of thinking more like a chef um, than some kind of improvise improv- How do I say this? I'm choking Im- here. I, <laughs> improvisational? Yeah, Holy shit, what a tongue twister. Uh, like this artist that just has to come up with stuff on the fly. You always wanna think about like, how can you extend the value of the time and effort and resources that you're putting into something. And I think this is an example where they really nailed that and they can kind of weave this element throughout and it, it just creates uh, consistency and adds production value which is awesome to see.
0: And another thing I think that makes this whole like project they completed make me, it makes me feel like it's their best work ever is that Jack Bannon has, or rather Gibson Hazard as well as Jack Bannon, they've always seemed to make content that I watch that seems to lack, you know, it it has a lot of depth, but it doesn't have that same, like, story led through, like, a person, like, talking and and incorporating, like, a through-line narrative. So what they did, I think this is the first time I've seen them do testimonials, like a sit-down interview, but it wasn't boring. Usually it's fucking boring when there's, like, a sit-down interview. They nailed the combination of a sit down interview getting the right questions out leading leading the que- leading the uh, talent through a narrative and incorporating footage and music and sound effects into this like mash of like creative porn like where we watch Gibson Hazard and we just think holy shit how do he do this and what's this how do he transition from there how do he get that shot that animation he mixed all of that in with some sort of through line narrative like perfectly no fuck ups. Like you got yeah. the, you got to see the personality and the character behind the artist while also got taken through a creative like whirlwind of like cool effects that weren't forced. Everything felt natural. And it just like brought you into like not just the mind of the the talent. So it's like I'm looking at the host of Malone video right now. Like he's a very chaotic performer. The video matches his chaos. I watched the Dua Lipa yeah. one. The video matches her her chaos, her pop star sensation, the the lights, like everything about it, like it just mixes perfectly with who these artists are, and it yeah. just that, that's what blew me away. I know it's a fucking tangent, but goddamn, I was just so blown away by this work.
1: If you had to put, and maybe you could just do zeros, if you had to put a budget on this work, I have two questions actually. So, what's the budget? What do you think? How many zeros were on the check? Um, and then the other thing, and I think. More importantly, and you you can answer these however you want in whatever order. But part of what makes this so good as well um, is the amount of access they got, right? Like these are A-list celebrities, all of them. They had to get them for, like you said, a sit-down shoot to get that narrative down in the story. Then they also had um, concert footage. They don't really need them for that, so it doesn't matter. Um, but then also they had um, specific shots where it looked like these were either semi staged or directed in some way um, with every single artist, which I think is crazy. So how long do you think that they got with each artist? These are the two questions. How long do you think they got with each artist? And what do you think the budget? How much does the Grammys pay for this? Like, what is the budget for this type of project?
0: I can't even begin to imagine, I'd have to say it's six figures for sure, but just based off the size of their team and also just the Grammys have a shitload of money, like I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a quarter million, I also don't know how much they make because I don't know if they're only sharing their favorites or if, because what I'm watching right now, the content's like, it just says record of the year nominee, it's all these nominees, so there's not just one nominee for each category so they must have done this for fucking every single category you you think about it it's
1: like oh my god this is so much work so much
0: work it had to have been like quarter million plus just based off the crew size and how what the scale of the work was and when it comes to how specialized these
1: people are sorry to cut you off but how specialized these people are they're just so like it's not just somebody who knows how to model in 3d you're getting somebody who can also texture You're, you're getting somebody who can also like composite And then, like, learning how, and and from a management point of view, like, how do those pieces connect? If you're the coach, like, what pieces are you putting together and when? It's just, like, so much goes. And I, when I started this, this is a bit of a tangent story. When I started out, it was all about the creative, right? Like, what's the most inspiring, creative thing you can do? What I find is a much more important skill and something that, like, I really noticed in you early is that project management and like actually being able to ship things is almost more important than like what it ends up looking like. If it's on deadline, if it's on budget, if you can manage all of the personalities in the room, like that is a skill in and of of itself. And I think it's one that's just getting more valuable. Sorry. Back to you. I
0: I agree. I, I really like that point because you have to think how many assets were there. So they had to do like a master board, like. Whether it's on a Notion page like we have, or whatever they use, like how you have to plan the fuck out of this. Like it's like, okay, these are all the deliverables, and then here are all the common assets across deliverables. So let's get all those done first, and then what are unique to each deliverable? Line those Mm -hmm. out, and then from there, it's like, okay, so we need sound effects is done by this guy. He will like get all the sounds. Then 3D, we need these things, so this guy's gonna do 3D. Either like break it down per role. What's common mm-hmm. across all? What can you batch into like a week's work? Like, so you're not task switching. I wonder if they had a project manager who wasn't. I it's would it's have probably to the assume producer. so. It was probably the producer, yeah. which I believe they have somewhere here. It says executive producer, Ben Winston, creative director, Gibson Hazard, Brendan O'Connor, Jack Bannon, and they have a bunch of other guys. So I'm assuming that Ben Winston was the guy who fucking like, kept everyone made sure everything was
1: moving on time such such an underrated underappreciated skill it's so easy to look at like a construction or renovation project and be like oh like there's a lot of logistics and management that goes into this and i think there's this cognitive gap that we have when we move to something digital because you just can't see how everything comes together but it is just as complex if not more complex than a project that you could see in the physical world
0: exactly and uh I mean, I I, I want to like wrap up on this is let's just talk about our favorite piece and like why, why, why you like it so much. If you don't have one right now, I, I can uh, jump, jump in.
1: Yeah. Why don't, why don't you start and I'll find mine.
0: Okay. Easily my favorite has to be the Billie Eilish one. And they've done work. They did work with her before, before she was huge. It was off her first EP. I forget. It was like a yellow cover with like a slide or something. I forget, but they did her concert shit and like, she just has such a cool, like moody, depressed, like anxious, like feel to her that they just encapsulated in this video so perfectly. Like the the, the VO of her talking about like, she can't go to bed at night. She's all, all freaked out. And then they transition into the house, into the bed, as she's saying all this, looking up at the ceiling, talking about sleep paralysis and all the imagery just... Perfectly matched with her character and, and and her demons and what she talks about in her music. And furthermore, just like the transitions in this one didn't feel forced at all. Like sometimes I'd watch some Gibson Hazard ones. I'm like, ah, you did that because it's really lit. It's really cool, and yeah. fancy. But this was like tasteful through and through. Didn't go too crazy. Didn't force it in. It was all like properly put in. I mean, I really don't have much else to say. I, I didn't really take a whole ton of notes, but my biggest takeaway is just how they matched, and I said this before, how they matched the tone and what the person, that artist is to the way they pace the video, the colors, the effects, and how they like lit stuff. One thing these guys love to do is they do this like strobe effect. And I don't know if it's in post or if it's with the lighting, when they do some of the animations slash like interviews, like they kind of have this like flickering strobe light to some of their uh, lighting techniques and it just adds this like eerie creepy like i think it also sets it sets up like transitions too it's very interesting how they 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 seem to shoot almost everything with a transition in mind and it begs begs me begs the question of do they have how this edit is going to look done before they shoot everything or do they have a rough idea and they just you know wing it in the editing room i just wonder that
1: one thing i will add on the Um, editing side, and I'm by no means an expert editor um, in Premiere and just video in general, but I would say that from their work between like 20, we can call it 2016 to 2018, like you said, a lot of it was this kind of sizzle of this is what we can do with 3D objects, with um, thinking outside the box of what a tour video or just a video in general could be one thing and one area where I think they've gotten really good and really tight and dialed in with is that like just video on video editing. And it it is a good question. Like for a lot of this stuff, a lot of the transitions and cuts being made are motivated by motion, either from um, moving the camera or the subject themselves. Um, and that's just pieced together in a way where it's just, it feels so seamless. It feels like you're just moving through uh, sequence that's very, very intentional. I would say that my favorite of them would either be Duolipo or uh, Doja Catch, is because it's like a great example of what I was just talking about. It's just like there's no, it's not so over the top. It's not like this kind of alternate world they're creating. It's just like really solid fundamentals. And I would say, like more than any other video editor I've seen in the past year, they are the best at that kind of like fast cut chaotic um super super quick almost staccato um if we're talking music tech uh, terminology um where it's just like there's new information there's new there's new shots coming at you it feels like every like 60th of a section and i think it's just so perfect for um in linear television or broadcast that intro into a segment and for social it just feels so natural and such a perfect fit so those two are my favorite i think They're They're getting really good at fundamentals and it's almost blurring the line between what is shot in camera and what has been added or packaged in a way um, that somebody else couldn't just look at and say, oh, they did this. Like they're so good at hiding what they're doing.
0: Their fundamentals and their advanced techniques have just in this project blended into the perfect mix. Because I think sometimes before it just felt like I mean some of the videos they did the fundamentals and and the advanced techniques perfectly as well but there were probably the majority of them definitely felt like it's lacking the fundamentals but it doesn't fucking matter because it's so cool like it's so brilliant the advanced that you can like forget about those fundamentals in in pacing or in composition or whatever these just mixed the perfect balance
1: the, yeah like I just guess. I guess
0: this shit blew me away and it wasn't it didn't blow me away necessarily the same intensity as some of his other work but it blew me in a way where i'm like that is good and i didn't even really notice why it was so good and i feel like mm-hmm. when you don't acutely notice like what's so great about it that's when you know it's a good video it's yeah. uh what's his name roger Deakin said it best cinematographer I said this on the show a million times the best cinematography in the world is the cinematography you don't notice
1: yeah They say the same thing about design. It's like the best design is invisible. You can't see
0: it. It's invisible. You have to really break it down and think and write about it to really understand.
1: I love that. One more thing before we close. And this is kind of like a little bit pie in the sky, big picture thinking, but also really interesting because I'm spending a lot of time working with video game people and just like seeing how 3D is evolving. I want to place a timeline on what we're seeing right now. So in 2020, if we think about... Um where else you're seeing this kind of work this like caliber of work with the 3D and kind of meshing that with traditional video I would say if I had to put a label on it that 2020 and 2021 is kind of the video game cutscene like those really like cinematic we watched the Valorant one the other day we thought it was amazing I think 2020, 2021 is this like video cutscene phase of 3D experiences and like what we're seeing on social and it's just going to come up more and more on our feeds. But if I look just quickly, if I ahead. look five years into the future, I think we're going to get into really interesting space where like we've already seen this with the Travis Scott uh, Fortnite concert where you could be a character in that scene and kind of interact and move around. And it was really like an immersive space. And then I think honestly, I like Facebook is really invested in AR and VR. Obviously, we're not seeing too much of that right now. I think that's kind of in the early stages. But I don't think it's crazy or out of the picture to say like by 2025, that's four years away from now. Are we going to have these like fully immersive, continuous, pervasive 3D experiences that we can go into VR or AR um, and just kind of live these things? It goes, I don't know if you've seen it, but Um, I have friends that are just such a fan of Ready Player One, where you could put on like this suit that gives you haptic feedback and you kind of feel it like it's like really um, somatic or like body first experience. And you can kind of like interact in this virtual world just like you would in the real world. We're not that's not tomorrow. That's not something that's a reality or that people could even see on a timeline. But I think this video stuff, kind of like the Internet, where one day it just was there and it was a huge deal. I think we're gonna to start to see that with 3D experiences that are gonna be always online. It's gonna be like a video game where you can just enter in, but it's also fully immersive and it, it requires your participation in some meaningful way. Um, and I just think that we're in the early innings of that, but it's just such an interesting space to keep your eye on because like I said, it's not a thing yesterday. And then a week from now, this is not this is not like an actual timeline, but it'll just come up one day where you're like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I never wanna leave this place, this is incredible. Um, and it squares away really interestingly with what we talked about in previous episodes of like, okay, if I really mess with Gibson Hazard in these 3D experiences, how do I buy into that? If I wanna invest in a game company or whatever, like can I buy an NFT? Can I buy some form of ownership where if I'm an early adopter, I get rewarded for that and I get paid for being kind of on the bleeding edge of technology. I just think the space is so interesting. It's something that I'm gonna be keeping an eye on.
0: I'm going to put a pin in that because I want to address what you just said there. But just to go back a sec where you were talking about, like, it's now this is the year where it's happening. It's really interesting. I think video game editors in that montage scene led by FaZe Clan, there were 3D scenes and 3D moments mixed in with gameplay in uh, 2012, 2011, 2012. And some of their biggest videos had 3D scenes. And these guys have been in the, the Cinema 4D game Forever at this point and it's crazy because I almost think Call of Duty gamer culture at that inception stage That that stage of 2010 to around 2014-15 That's when we saw like what the future of real-life video will be but it's only in the game scene because the mainstream world, the Grammys and stuff, they're still they are still coming around. to still trying to see, eh, you know, like
1: I'm feeling it out.
0: It's for video games. Like give it to the kids. It's like, yeah. no, that was it. And it's, it, I, I want one day there to be a, an incredible documentary on Phase Clan because I think what they've done is they've spawned a generation of creative kids, not just in video games, but around the games itself that I think to see how this plays out in the next five years, like you were saying, it's going to be really interesting. And how many of these kids edited COD videos. How many of them were doing trick shots following a phase back in the day? That's interesting. Yeah. To yeah. get back and close that. on this point, um, on the point you made about like VR and AR, this, I don't want this, this is a fucking rabbit hole, but I do want to close on it, is that, I like that idea, but it terrifies me. We're already, like what COVID and the qu- quarantine has done, I was talking about this with my girlfriend the other night, and it's freaky. It's like, it's completely digitized our experience. No yeah. one's hanging out My girlfriend's an influencer now who people just log into their side. You could call it a cyberspace, which is just Instagram. They log into Instagram and they look at it and they're like, oh, it's Gina. Like she's like a character in their life. They may not think of it like that way, but it is. She wakes up and she just goes on camera and just talks to people on this virtual world. That's like the very beginning stages of what I'm scared life may become where you just wake up. And why would you go outside? Shit just gets delivered Mm -hmm. to your door. You wake up, you put on your fucking suit, you play your video game to relax. Then maybe you go hang out with your friends digitally because, you know, it doesn't make sense to go out in the real world. The real world. Yeah, what's the point? It's just easier. It's way easier to be online. And that, as much as I think that excites me and you, that maybe one day we can have a haptic digital VR, AR experience with the content we consume. I don't think that's net positive. I think it almost like I feel like the government has to regulate, which would never happen. The fact that you can't take it past a certain step, like we can yeah. go up to here where it's like an enjoyment, it's entertainment, but let's not make this like our life where every like work, dude. Going on a tangent, I was listening to Kevin O'Leary talk, and he was like, he was saying commercial real estate is going to be just like decimated when COVID's like done because what's likely going to happen, what he's done a lot of his companies is he's mandated a um, and 95 mask, like you have to wear it in the building as well as certain departments go in certain days. Yeah. So what that means is like, okay, he's, that's the first step he's taking, but what if eventually it turns into, you go to work online, everything's digital. You don't even have to go into the space. Like you're just wake up and you go digital and then you communicate through there. And it's this dull experience where it's like, we get the work done, but we don't want to get sick and like, fuck up our future. Like, what if we never get over the coronavirus and we're just trapped in this digital this is world? This such
1: a dark way to end on. But I think it's like the other side of innovation. We never, there was nobody, no government oversight, no central body. Nobody ever asked, like, what happens after we open the Pandora box of social media and these huge networks? Like, that question's not going to be asked with VR and AR. We're already starting to see it, I think, really early. Uh, and we can kind of close on this, but like, How many times, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm being crazy, but how many articles and and things online are you seeing about how AR filters, like these Instagram filters, that like they augment you in a way that just takes away all of the imperfections. How much is that impacting young people with like self-esteem issues? We're already starting to see it there. What happens when you can completely change the way you look and interact with the world? Because you're not a physical person anymore, but there is... A virtual avatar that represents you um, I mean like it's a it's a huge question it's and I just don't think that anyone's gonna consider that until it's actually there and, and people are like oh wait this is just like a central piece of our life now like social media was always just like a fun thing if somebody had asked you in 2014 or me in 2014 when I, I signed on to Instagram in grade 10 would have been would have been 2014 um and everyone thought it was a joke. Everyone was just like, "Oh, it's just this thing where kids go to play and hang out on." And now we're looking at I I would I wouldn't think it's a stretch to say that there's trillions of dollars that move through that platform each day whether it's influencers, whether it's brand marketing, whether it's advertising. There's so much cash flow that moves through that app. What happens when the same thing happens with VR and we're not prepared? It's just such a huge question to tackle, and also one that I think is like true, but useless to ask because I don't know if you're gonna have any kind of intervention at the government level. I don't know who regulates this, and more, more, um, more to the point. The last thing that I wanted to say before I shut up and get out of here is that um, the way that these tech companies are set up—if you look at the big five tech companies—we talked about this earlier today. Like they're they. Are, they the amount of money they make is more than a lot of countries. And what we're seeing is that the person, the company that figures out VR, AR, advertising, whatever, that is the next like trillion dollar industry and, and what value that unlocks. And like these companies are just going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, it's it's a scary thing to think about.
0: Horrifying and when you were talking about AR and like the cameras and whatnot, it made me instantly think of, I can't remember if it was a lecture I was watching, I was shooting for some this this uh, psychology philosophy teacher and he was talking about reality only exists the way we consume it because of how our eyes connect with our brain. So we take in light and it gets processed through our eye into our brain and it paints a picture. That's what reality is. And depending on what your eye is, what animal you are, what you are, that's how you perceive the world. Not every animal sees in color. Not every animal looks at a lamp and sees the same thing. Not every animal looks at a human and sees the same thing. There's different perceptions of reality. If you kind of think about it, this is our new eye, like we are manufacturing and innovating or reinnovating our biology to a point where I wouldn't be surprised. This is creepy as fuck our reality is not going to be shaped by our eyes perceiving what reality is, but rather through a lens that we create that can create our own and change our own reality. That's just adding on your point. And that's fucking terrifying because it's not reality, but it
1: is, but it's not. And just think about how much people invest in social media, like how much of their, I don't want to say self-worth because I think maybe that's an overstatement, but like how much attention and energy goes into their social media it's why the last two decades have been like aptly named the glass decade, because it's just been staring down at your phone. What happens when the glass decade turns into the virtual decade or whatever comes next? To me, that's a huge question I don't even have answers for. But I mean, I think it's worth considering now before it arrives. And and
0: just the final note, we've said that 10 times, but... Think about this, I mean, we're, we're inevitably headed to this, pla- this place where reality will be VR, it will be digital, whatever. And the coronavirus is the quarantine that ensued because of it has quite literally advanced it like tenfold. We Incredible. have to be digital to survive. So yeah. it's almost like we thought this is just something we're gonna innovate to be out of just pure human innovation and just the, the desire to be better. But in reality, what if we had to innovate this way to survive? Boom. Mm -hmm. That's it. End of the podcast. Moses was great. We kind of got off the rails there. Um, That went
1: deep. I think that went deeper than and in unexpected directions more than we have ever before. So I mean crazy. Hope, Hope you enjoyed that. Went off into crazy world.
0: Watch like people stop being friends with us
1: because they're like, these guys are fucking nuts. (laughs) These guys are pretty out there.
0: All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Follow us on everything at Render Repeat Podcast. I don't know why I did that with my hand. Not cool, but, you know, (laughs) we're chilling. We'll figure it out. Talk to you guys next week. See ya.
1: Love ya. Peace.